Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. In this episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen to the Gospel and Father Brian Barr's homily from this past Sunday. As always, keep an eye out for our Q&A and discussion episodes. Until then, here's the Gospel from July 2nd, 2017, the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his apostles, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous man because he's righteous will receive a righteous man's reward. Whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. So I was reading this uh, article not too long ago. It was kind of interesting. It was um, about companies, these pretty famous companies, businesses that have been around for years, decades. I mean, in some cases, uh, centuries, actually. uh, But it was was more specific. It was um, how they survived over so many years. I think the title of it was 10 companies that completely reinvented themselves. That was really kind of the the premise of the article, this reinvention concept. Um, So they began, you know, 100 years ago uh, providing a particular service or product, which did very well, very successful for a period of time, but then things shifted. Technology changed the, the... Industry changed, um, and they were forced to, they had to react. They had to adjust in some way. And it describes how some companies didn't. Some companies just continued to stay steady and kind of produce whatever the product was, and eventually went out of business. They were just unable to adapt to the changing times. And then other companies, which were profiled here, did just that, um, a couple of them they mentioned that it was kind of interesting. Uh, National Geographic, you know, the magazine, uh, the 1880s that began. I no clue about that, how old it was. And uh, started out, you know, how whatever magazines looked like in the 1880s, uh, was, I guess, primitive, but pretty successful. Um, the 1920s come along and the possibility of uh, color photography becomes real, and they invested in that, and magazine takes off even more. Jump to the 1990s and magazines, paper magazines are starting to just lose their, with the reality of the internet, uh, newspapers and, and, and magazines are kind of dying. So uh, Life magazine, these famous photo magazines kind of, they don't even exist anymore, most of them. So the people at National Ge- Geographic realized that and in 2001 they got into TV. They saw the reality of cable TV being what it was, and the Nat Geo 
channel was born. And that's become a huge industry. Um, so they were able to kind of like uh, check the weather and, and they adjusted very successfully. American Express, the credit card company, I didn't know this, but um, they literally began like with the Pony Express, like in the 1800s. They were, had, they were involved with, you know, uh, transporting money out west. Today it's credit cards and, and a whole lot more than that. The big one was uh, Apple. Apple computer, and uh, what they really, what they said there, what was interesting was, they didn't really ever invent anything per se. Um, what they did was they just improved on what was already out there. They didn't invent the PC, they didn't invent uh, laptops. But Steve Jobs' thing was, whatever's out there, let's make it better. Let's just make it more efficient, make it faster, make it more attractive. Um, that's exactly what they did. Then they got away from computers and they, the whole handheld devices. They went after that. iPads, iPods. Um, but it was kind of this constant process of how are we changing? Are we changing? Are we adapting to what we need to in order to survive? Um, the article that describes these successful companies, it says they're like sharks. They're like great white sharks. In their prime, they'll chew up the competition. But if they stop moving, and they say sharks, or at least certain kinds of sharks, they have to literally be swimming at all times because they, they stop breathing if, if they're not moving. Great whites, that is the case for. So it's like, if you're moving, you're winning. If you stop moving, you're dead. Well, that's the case for these sharks. I guess, and it's really the case for, uh, I guess, business, companies. But I don't think it ends just there. I think it also, I think you can make that take that principle and apply it to relationships, families, marriages. They become completely stagnant. They suffocate. They do die. Like, there's got to be change. There's got to be a, a willingness on all involved parties to sort of always be open to some level of reinvention. Or at least adapting. I was reading about this book. Um, it's a new book. I think it's just come out. Um, it's written by a New York Times columnist. Uh, her name is Ada Calhoun. The name of the book is uh, Wedding Toasts That I'll Never Give. And it's just a series of essays about marriage and kind of marriage advice and the importance. Her, she's very pro-marriage. Her thing is, yeah, marriage isn't easy. Um, but divorce is, most of the time, divorce is worse. Not always, but most of the time it's worse. Sometimes we escape to the prospect of divorce. But if people are really honest... Uh, things aren't a whole lot better. Often they're worse post-marriage. So her thing is you gotta, you gotta work at it. You gotta, you gotta make it work. And part of that, her thing is like this, kind of like these companies, this reinvention thing. Listen to what she says here. At some point in any long-term relationship, each partner is likely to evolve from the person we fell in love with into something new. 
and not always into something cuter or smarter or more fun. Spouses go from rock climbing and running marathons to becoming couch potatoes, from rebel to middle manager, from incurable romantic to sleep-obsessed. Sons and daughters, overnight it seems, can devolve from their angelic first communion photos into sullen, self-absorbed brats. This is what she says about her, her marriage. A year and a half ago, Neil and I, her husband, Neil and I bought a place in the country. We hadn't been in the market for a house, but our city apartment is only 500 square feet. And we kept admiring this lovely blue house we drove by every time we visited my parents. It turned out to be shockingly affordable, so we now own a house. We bought furniture, framed pictures, and put up a badminton net. We marveled at the change that had come over us. Who were these backyard grilling, property tax paying, can jam playing people that we had become? When we met in our 20s, Neil wasn't a man who would delight in lawn care. And I wasn't a woman who would, be, who would find such a man appealing. And yet, here we were, avidly refilling our bird feeder and remarking on the blooming azaleas. Neil, who hadn't hammered a nail in all the years I'd known him, now had opinions on bookshelves and curtains, and he loved going to the hardware store. He was like an alien. But in this new situation, I had become an alien too. One who knew when to plant bulbs and how to use a crock pot. Our alien selves were remarkably compatible. Several long-married people I know have said this exact line. I've had at least three marriages. They've all been with the same person. I'd say Neil and I have had at least three marriages. Our partying 20s, our kid-centered 30s, now our home-owning 40s. I suspect there'll be a few more marriages along the way. I don't know, I think there's something to that. I mean, I'm not married, but it seems to me we would not. We're not the same person. If you can go back to your 20s, and that was 20 or 30 years ago, I mean, come on, we're not, we're not the same person. I was up in uh, uh, upstate yesterday and the day before for uh, Andrew Santos, an outreach coordinator here, and uh, religious ed director, just got married. The wedding was in Rochester, but I um, stopped off in Ithaca, where I went to college. And I just kind of roamed around. I, I was there, I graduated 30 years ago, which was kind of, I can't believe. <laughs> yeah, I know. And um, but you walk around and you think about man, like thirty years ago, and you like man, I, I mean, I'm the same person, but in a lot of ways, I'm not. I'm not that twenty-year-old high school, uh, college junior or senior who was walking 
walking around that campus 30 years ago. I mean, I hope the essence of who I am, the, the core of who I was then hasn't really changed a whole lot. But I'm not, I'm not the same kid. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a, it's a Christ-driven thing. If, we, if, we, if the change is good, listen to what he says here. Whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I think this being willing to lose ourselves is a good thing. This writer says, I can't even imagine my husband walking around with a, a hammer in his hand. And now he's, that just wasn't him when we were dating. But he's been willing to lose aspects of himself and, and find new along the way. And that's a good thing. I think it's a, I think it's a critical thing. For relationships to survive. It's like those businesses. How do we adapt here? Things have changed. Times do shift. I can't remain the same person. Primarily, yeah, but not absolutely. So I think that makes sense. But you also have this. Same gospel. You have Jesus saying, whoever loses father, mother... Oh, I'm sorry, whoever loves father, mother, son, or daughter more than me won't be worthy of me. And that's a little tough. That's a little tough to hear. Whoever puts their kids before me, whoever puts their marriage before me, whoever puts their closest friends before me, Jesus, won't be worthy of Jesus. In other words, I think he's, he's, he's saying almost the opposite of, it, opposite of these we got to adjust principles. Some things, he's saying, cannot be adjusted. Some things cannot be reinvented. Because they're just true forever. Let me give you an example. This is a, a letter. I found this just the other day. I, I hadn't seen this letter in years. I'd gotten it from a uh, it was a bride, or a bride-to-be, who was, uh, I had met with. This is probably 20 years ago in my first parish in West Hempstead. A couple was engaged. I was supposed to do their wedding. We had picked a date. We had met a couple of times. They had done pre-Cana. And then something happened in one of these conversations that the three of us had. Listen to the letter here. Dear Father Brian, I've been intending to write you a quick note of thanks for a couple of months now. I'm sorry it took so long. I'm not sure if you'll remember me, but you were supposed to marry my fiancé and I four years ago at St. Thomas's in West Hempstead. One of the nights we met at your rectory, we discussed the results of that compatibility survey we'd done during pre-Cana. There was the question about having a disabled child and how we'd react to that challenge. My response was very different from Stephen's, and that led to a, an uncomfortable conversation in your office about faith and morality. That uncomfortable conversation led to several more concerning issues which we'd never really discussed. In retrospect, I think I was, 
afraid to face those questions head on. I was afraid that they might lead to our breaking up, so I just sort of shelved them, hoping with time he'd come my way. As you know, we postponed the wedding and eventually we called it off. The breakup was the hardest thing I've ever done. For months I agonized over whether I'd made the right decision. It was the loneliest and, loneliest and saddest time of my life. Almost a year after the breakup, I met a guy through a friend. We dated for a little over a year and we were married this past Memorial Day weekend. I can't believe how happy I am. He was worth the wait. I just wanted to let you know, and thanks for pushing me to face some of those issues. Had I not gone through that long and difficult year, I'd never have met my husband. And right now, I can't imagine life without him. Sometimes you have to go through the dark hallways of life before discovering where you were meant to be. I found that place, and I realize now that it's where God always intended me to be. Life couldn't be better. It's a great letter, isn't it? This can get kind of confusing. Um, when do we adjust? Where do we compromise? When is adapting and reinvention unacceptable? And when is it required for survival? Well, maybe it's, maybe it's this. <coughs> you know what I think that woman, that married woman did ultimately? She refused to compromise God's truth. Maybe that's where we draw the line in the sand. When God's truth is challenged, it's like, time out. I'm not stepping over that line. Yeah, but my husband or wife is on the other side of it. My kids are on the other side of the line. I'm not stepping over that line. I'm going to go get you and carry you to my side. But I can't step over it. Because you know what? Even if I do, ultimately it's going to be a train wreck. Because I'm messing with God's truth. Short term, yeah. We'll keep the peace. We'll bury this issue. We'll stuff that unspoken issue in some closet somewhere. But it's going to open up. It's going to come out. And it's going to bite us bad. Sometimes lines have to be drawn. Sometimes we have to compromise. Maybe our prayer today can be, God, help me to figure out when and where. Because it's not always so clear. But when His truth is on the line, that's where it has to be drawn. So know his truth. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. 
Once again, keep an eye out for our discussion and our Q&A episodes. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Father Brian, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast by downloading the iTunes app for iPhones and the Stitcher app for all other devices. And as always, please share with your loved ones. We'll be back next week, and until then, God bless.